everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Definitely starting to get a little bit up there, so we go to see an OBGYN. Oops, turns out we've got a few problems. So there are tests and more tests and more tests. It's a stressful time. So they suggest we do what I'll call low-grade treatments. They have certain drugs that, that you can take. So let's try that for six or nine or 12 months, which we do, no baby. Well, maybe in that following year, maybe we do some uh, minor surgery to one or both of you and see what the, how that goes, <clears throat> excuse me, no baby. Well, eventually you start getting into fairly serious interventions like artificial insemination. Artificial insemination is not necessarily an easy process. There's multiple steps. Every time you do a step, there's waiting. Uh, when you suffer from infertility, waiting is a big part of the thing. So you go through every step, you wait a bit, you get to the end, if, and if you don't have a baby, realistically, you're going to do the whole thing over again. Maybe you're gonna do the whole thing over a third time. Um, all through that time, it's stressful. And the more time that goes by, the more stressful it becomes because you really wonder, if you're gonna have that baby. Well, finally, we end up doing what most people would consider to be the ultimate, in vitro fertilization. IVF is even more complicated and it's more costly. Um, and uh, there are more, that many more steps. After each step, you've got waiting, um, you've got harvesting, you've got implantation, et cetera, and the time goes by, waiting in between each step. And when you get to the end, if you have a baby, or two, as the case may be, that's fantastic. But if you don't, you're probably going to try it again. And if you've got the money, you might try it yet again. So that was the technological medical track for us. But paralleling this all along was the spiritual track. Now, Don and I have always believed in supernatural healings. And we believe that God performs miracles all the time. We've seen them in other people and we've experienced them ourselves. So. From the outset, we had told very, very few people that we wanted to have children. Um, but those people were our Christian friends and we had them pray for us along the way. After a while with no child, uh, we went to the elders. Uh, they laid hands on us. They anointed us with oil and they prayed over us. No child. Well, quite a ways along, and this would have been probably in the 11th year of this whole process, a friend of ours invited us to go to a healing service. Now. We believe in supernatural intervention. We believe that God works in this way, but we've never been to a healing service before and there's a certain stigma to these things. Um, but you know what? We're 11 years in, we decided to go. Um, when we get there, as we're sitting down in our seats, Don leans into me and she says, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going up to that platform. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But we sit there and we watch and we watch closely. And I have to say, it was an exciting evening. There were all kinds of people getting healed of all kinds of afflictions and it was just exciting and you could see God moving. 
So near the end, the healing service guy, I, I don't know what, the faith healer, um, he says, um, okay, everybody here with an infertility issue come up to the platform. Well, we were shocked because it felt like half the seats in the auditorium emptied as people flooded to the front. We were also shocked because we realized we were one of those couples heading, heading to the front. We didn't expect to do that. So he said, you know, there's way too many people here. I, I can't possibly lay hands on and pray over every single person who's come forward. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pick one woman. And um, she is, in essence, going to be a conduit of God's power. I'm going to lay hands on her and pray over her. And what's going to happen is her son, or her son, her husband is going to stand behind her with his hands on her shoulders. And all of you lay hands on his shoulders or the next person or the next person. But we'll all be physically connected. And, um, and that's how we're going to do this. And the woman that he selected was Dawn. So under his instruction, she interlaced her fingers and placed her hands over her abdomen. He laid hands on her hands and started to pray over her. Well, immediately she started to feel movement in her abdomen, almost as if things were just being rearranged. It was a very, very vivid experience for Dawn. I'm standing behind her with my hands on her shoulders and I felt like an honest to goodness electrical shock. And I'm talking a serious electrical shock. Uh, there, was nothing in about, there was nothing about this that was just my imagination. And 30 or 40 feet away, my friend in the audience, he felt an electrical shock. So when we walked out of the, um, out of the room that night, we were, we were excited. We felt God had really, really moved. So the next night, the phone rings, and it's my friend Harold. Now, Harold was not one of the people, okay, I want to emphasize, he was not one of the people that knew we were interested in having children. He was uh, not aware that we'd gone to a healing service the night before. And I should also say, Harold is the most feet-planted, firmly-on-the-ground guy you have ever met in your life. So he phones up, and he's all stuttering and stammering. And, and he's, um, uh, uh, Steve, um, I really don't want to be making this call, um, but... Well, Linda, that's his wife. Well, Linda's making me, so I have to. So I, I kind of chuckled. I said, that's okay, Harold. What do you have to say? He said, well, before I go on, I should tell you, I have never remembered a dream that I've had in my life. He said, I assume I've had dreams, but I have never remembered a dream in my entire life. And I said, okay. And he said, I had this vivid dream last night that you and Don were going to have a baby boy. So I'm on the phone and I'm like, <laughs> right? But what I said to him was, huh, well, that's really interesting. Thanks for telling me that. Is there anything else? He says, no, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm so sorry to bother you with that, but Linda made me. Okay. Me being me, I figured, okay, we're going to have a baby nine months from now. <laughs> but you know what? God is not going to be tied up in our little timeline. So we did not have a baby in nine months. But I will say we did have a baby boy in the year following that. The whole process from the time we decided we wanted to have children to when we had our first son was 13 years. There were a lot of gaps after each try. 
After each stoppage in play, Don would say, I should say Don, anybody who knows us knows this, Don is more serene than I am. So after each stoppage in play, she would say, you know, I'm okay with this. If God wants us to be childless, that's, that's fine. We'll just seek his face and find the alternative plan that he has in mind for us. And we'll, we'll go with that. That's okay. Me, I'm like a dog with a bone. If there's an obstacle, I'm going to find a way around it, over it, or under it. But one way or another, I'm getting past that obstacle. You know, tenacity is a really good trait. But patience and trust are better. It's not easy for me, who is a type A personality, through and through. But God brought me there. Sort of. This is a big issue. One in seven couples in North America, that might even be higher now, um, one in seven couples in North America have an issue with infertility, and many marriages fail because of this. But God is sovereign. His ways are above our ways. Now, some people will say, well, it's easy for you to say, you got your kid. But we remember, it's traumatizing. It's gut-wrenching if you're going through this. Don and I came within a micron of splitting up over this. For some people, procreation is so primal that infertility just seems excruciating. We will never forget the pain of those 13 years. But God is sovereign, and his ways really are above our ways. So all you can do is, yes, be tenacious, but also trust that he loves you no matter what, and always the essence of trust, which we were just starting to learn, the essence of trust is grasp it lightly. Huh, we got screens. Okay, in a moment I'm going to start to talk um, about the roller coaster ride that was my business and professional life for 40 years. But um, before, before I do that, I'm going to read a passage from Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when I was 20 and Don and I were engaged, one day Don tells her roommate, I don't think I can marry Steve. And her roommate says, why? Why? What happened? She said, well, I grew up in a household where like my dad was a teacher. Um, my dad knew exactly what his salary was going to be. He was super, super secure in his job. He knew what his medical benefits were if something went wrong. He knew years in advance, he knew the date he was going to retire on. Steve has this thing about being an entrepreneur. I mean, he, he's just dying to get out there and, and start his own business and do whatever. And, and risk doesn't seem to even register with him. And uh, I'm just afraid. of the, I don't think I can live that roller coaster. So I, don't, I just don't know if I go ahead. So she tried to break up with me. But for reasons I can't remember, she decided to stick it out. So I'm good. I'm really good for 12 years. I finish my education, I become a chartered accountant, and I go to work for a nice, safe, major accounting firm. 
But in 1989, which was 12 years later, the itch came that just had to be scratched. Now, I want to emphasize this was not a unilateral thing. Don and I prayed and discussed this very, very extensively, and we were absolutely in one accord when we decided to do this. But I left the nice, safe accounting firm, and I started a business. As it turns out, I started the business about two weeks before the 1989 recession started, and those of you who lived through that remember, that was a bad one. Well, it was an uphill battle all the way, and we ran that business for five years, but at the end of five years in 1994, um, it was virtually insolvent, and we decided we would sell it for whatever it was worth and get out, and I went and got a job that paid a fraction of what I'd made previously, but we spent the next two years paying off all of our debts and the debts in the company, and then we started for the remainder of the 90s to start climbing back up. So I was very fortunate, I became the chief financial officer of a technology company in the internet space. And um, I was uh, part of the team that took that company public. We listed it on the stock exchange. And uh, as a reward for that, I just earned gobs and gobs of stock options. So I decided, now that I've got my grub stake, so to speak, I am going to arrange my life to suit me. I want to be clear, that does not mean I went on some hedonistic, materialistic binge, okay? I mean, my vision of my future was that generosity would be very involved in, in our life forward as God prospered us. I felt that my business um, would be used to serve God's purposes. So it's not like it went off the deep end and on, on some rant. But here's the key, is that I decided in no uncertain terms, I was the one who was going to run the show. God was not going to run the show. And when you think about it, this is a foundational sin. This is basically what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And there's no way God is going to tolerate that kind of, um, that kind of thinking. So as a consequence, I believe that God put me under his discipline for the better part of 10 years. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of a sidebar here from my main theme, because I want to talk about God's discipline for a minute. There are some people, because of their view of God and their worldview, they say a loving God would not discipline his children because for whatever reason, perhaps their upbringing, they equate discipline with punishment. So I'm going to read a passage from Hebrews, Hebrews 12 to be specific. And that passage will discuss this very issue. So I'm having a hard time seeing that. So are we there? Leela? Okay. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son or daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not discipled by their father. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So clearly based on this passage, and there are many more in scripture that talk about this principle, clearly the idea of God disciplining us as children is a biblical idea. But the thing that we have to remember is that discipline is not punishment. Discipline, if you look at it, the root word of discipline is the same as the root word of disciple. So think of discipline as the act of making one into a disciple. So this is a good thing. Didn't seem so good at the time though. Um, 
my business and economic life very, very quickly went down the tubes. And for close to 10 years, nothing, and I mean nothing seemed to work. Even the most surefire things, even the no-brainers. I like to think of myself as a fairly capable guy and, and nothing I attempted worked. As to my gobs of stock, well, we had the internet bubble burst at the beginning of this century. And I lost all of the stock that I had earned um, because my livelihood was in the tech sector, my, li my um, income uh, plummeted, and in due course, we had to sell our house to, just to make ends meet. At this time, God tells us to move to Florida, and we are, for a variety of reasons that I won't get into, we're utterly convinced that we're hearing his voice. For some people, they might say, well, Florida, this is great. But for me, it was so contrary to my wiring um, that it was just, just about the worst thing that he could have said. If he'd said, move to Zimbabwe, that would have been worse. But moving anywhere was so against my wiring. The thought of leaving family and friends and familiarity, despite the fact that I'm a risk taker, kind of funny, eh? But the fact of moving, um, uh, moving away from family, friends, and familiarity was just horrific for me. And at one point I was despairing. It was one of the lowest points in my life and I cried out to God, why don't you like me? because just everything for multiple years by this point had gone wrong. Well, very, very shortly, I mean, after we were in Florida, God made it very clear um, that this was exactly where we were supposed to be. And we were totally at peace with it. So then we get into a new business because that's kind of what I do. Um, by any metric, the business looked like it was flourishing and we're charging ahead and then 2007 comes, the global financial crisis, lending everywhere freezes up and our lender comes to us and says, we're closing our doors. You've got a few weeks to go and find alternative investment or alternative financing. Well, as I said, the financial markets had frozen up. Getting finances was no picnic. At the same time, our largest customer, which was General Motors, decided to declare bankruptcy. Who, who on earth is ever gonna think General Motors is gonna declare bankruptcy? But they left us holding the bag for a lot of money. So we decide we need to close this business, that it just isn't viable, and once again, we're underwater. After five years in the US, we believed that God was telling us to come back to Canada and start over from scratch at 53 years of age. All through this, we learn more and more deeply to grasp it lightly. This becomes our literally daily mantra. I mean, things were going wrong on an almost daily basis and Don and I would look at each other and just say, grasp it lightly. It was our way of expressing trust in the sovereignty and loving kindness of God. And you know what? Through all that period of financial setbacks and failure after failure after failure, we never didn't have a roof over our heads. We never didn't have clothes on our back and we never didn't have full bellies. God never allowed us to have a surplus, but neither did he ever fail us. So around this time, seemingly the period of discipline ended and God became very open-handed with us, very generous. But we never forgot to grasp it lightly, whatever it happened to be. So in a moment, I'm gonna talk a little bit about my health. 
Um, But before I do that, I want to read a passage from John 14. There we go. Uh, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I've been very, very fortunate in terms of health. I mean, I've had a few surgeries here and there. I've had a few illnesses here and there, but they were nothing to cry my beer about. 15 months ago, however, after winter ended, you know what it's like when winter ends, you start getting out, you're a little bit more active, you start going for walks, um, and your whole metabolism starts to pick up as spring progresses. I got off to a very slow start. And as the weeks went by when I would have expected to be picking up steam, I just got slower and slower and slower. And so I knew something was wrong. So I arranged for a bunch of tests to be done and I had what's referred to as an echo stress test, which is a cardiac thing. And I managed to fail that spectacularly. And they said, you better go for an angiogram, which they gave me near the end of July last year. Well, here's the results of my angiogram. I had a left anterior descending artery that was 96% blocked. Um, The LAD is the artery that is commonly nicknamed the widow maker. Well, that was encouraging. Um, So the widow maker, if if you're familiar at all with this stuff, that that is the artery that if that goes, the chances are probably 50-50 that you'd be dead before you hit the ground. I had a right coronary artery that was 100% blocked. I didn't even know that was possible, but it was 100% blocked. And I had five other arteries around the heart that were in various states of ickiness. So the cardiologist ordered an urgent quadruple bypass. And the problem is, as anybody who has been dealing with the medical system knows, Um, What they want to happen urgently doesn't necessarily happen urgently. Uh, You have to get an available operating room, you have to get an available operating room staff, and in the last few years that has been so easy. So it was frustrating because the lineups dragged out the process. They kept on saying urgent. Without saying it in so many words, this is in late July, early August, Uh, The surgeon and the cardiologist as much as said, if you don't get this surgery soon, you will likely not see the end of September. So this is a frustrating time. Um, But I got my surgery, got it at the end of the first week of September, and as you can see, it was successful. Through this period, I had occasion to reflect, what do I really believe about God's sovereignty, not to mention his trustworthiness, loving kindness, and grace? Well, I decided that he was indeed to be trusted. I believe that even before we're born, God knows the date that our earthly existence will end. So I thought, would the next page on my calendar be the last page on my calendar? Because if that's the case, I needed to be good with that. Either God's sovereign or he isn't. So if that's the case, I needed to be good with that. I needed to grasp it lightly. Now, don't get me wrong. I occasionally had my moments. I would say to God, Lord, you got this planned out before I was even born. Whatever you say is great. But just so you know, if I did get an extra few years to spend some time with Dawn, and if I did get an extra few years to see my granddaughter grow up, I'd be okay with that. 
You know, just saying, God. But when all was said and done, I was at peace and able to grasp it lightly. And I have to say, I think that one of the major reasons why I was, was because of the 13 years of infertility, because of the 10 years of discipline regarding my financial life. Infertility, the roller coaster, helps me to grasp it lightly. And so when I'm facing that surgery, here we are. So what is it, if anything, that's got you knotted up? Is it finding your life's partner? Having a baby? Is it getting your own home? Or in, in this market, is it keeping your own home? Is it business or career success? Is it your health? Maybe your loved one's health? What about your dreams? What about your calling? Whatever it is, let it go. Grasp it lightly. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stare into the eyes of Jesus so intently that the issues that have grabbed you seem dim by comparison. This does not mean sit and do nothing. By all means, self-advocate, plan, work towards your goals. I'll even go so far as to say fight for some of them. But while you're doing that on the surface plane, down in your heart of hearts, where hopefully is where you really live, let go and trust in the God who loves you. One more thing. That having been said, all of this does not mean that God is necessarily going to bring about your desires. In our case, some came to fruition, others didn't. Ultimately, this isn't about wish fulfillment. It's about relationship with the Most High God. Now, as the band comes back to the platform, I'm going to read one final passage from Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are labor, sorry, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in the next song, take time to reflect and think about the words that are being sung and think about what there is in your life that perhaps you're holding on too tightly and that is causing you stress and is even causing perhaps a bit of division between you and God. And think about these things and the need to grasp it lightly. And after the music, I'm going to come back up and uh, pray with you. Lovely burdening them. Uh, please feel free to come to the front um, after the service ends. I would ask that any of the elders that are here this morning make yourselves available and anybody else who would like to uh, help some of these people with prayer. In the meantime, thank you so much for coming to church. Now let's go out and try our best to be the church. <laughs>